0: Amy at 50 KFUO Worldwide at KFUO.org. We are the messenger of good news. I'm Gary Duncan. It's time now for our moment on the lighter side segment of the Midday Moments program. And again, this afternoon, we welcome back the author of the Gospel of Luke and the Book of Acts. Here he is, Dr. Luke
1: himself. Good to be John with you again.
0: Good to be John with you too as well Dr. Luke. Now last time we were discussing what many calls the most difficult of all Jesus' parables. Yep, that that's right. The story of the unjust steward. A man who wasted his master's goods, seemingly cheated his master and yet in the end is still praised by his master for his shrewdness. However, as strange as the story may
1: sound, you told us that the point of this parable is very plain. Exactly. Like most of his parables, Jesus tells us what the meaning is. Right after the parable, he clearly says, we cannot serve God and mammon. Now, mammon is uh, the Hebrew catchword that means
0: all of our worldly possessions, right? It's It could be money, but it could also be clothes or car or house or even our health, any possession that is tied to this earthly
1: existence. It's a very simple lesson and, and one that makes most of us very uncomfortable. I think that's why we like to dwell on the obscurities of the parable, because we don't want to wrestle with the fact we may be just like the man in the parable, wasting our master's goods.
0: (laughs) Now, I think I understand all of that. I know we must serve God rather than our worldly possessions, but I'm not
1: sure how the parable
0: of the unjust steward proves that point.
1: Well, let's go back and take a look, a second look at that parable. You, you, you got your Bible handy there, Gary? Yeah, I sure do. Well, then go ahead and read it. Read the first verses there of, of my gospel, gospel of Luke chapter 16.
0: Okay, Luke 16. I am not strong enough to dig, I'm ashamed to beg, and I've decided what to do so that when I am removed from management, people may receive me into their houses. So summoning his master's debtors, one by one, he said to the first, how much do you owe my master? He said, a hundred measures of oil. He said to him, take your bill and sit down quickly and write 50. Then he said to another, how much do you owe? He said, a hundred measures of wheat. He said to him, take your bill and write 80. The master commended the dishonest manager for his shrewdness, for the sons of this world are more shrewd in dealing with his own generation than the sons of the light. And I tell you, make friends for yourself by the means of unrighteous mammon, so that when he fails, they will receive you into the eternal dwelling. Now, that seems a little odd to me that the master uh, you know,
1: commended him for dishonest acts. But but, but think about what's happening here. You you know, as a doctor, I'm quite familiar with collecting bills. Oh, you mean like co-payments and deductibles? Oh, no, I was thinking more of collecting bills from the various insurance companies. Now, most of them are pretty upfront organizations, but occasionally there'll be one who will kind of give you a bug tussle. They'll say things like... uh, We don't think that procedure is worth that kind of money. We're only going to give you 80% of your bill, or or maybe even 50%. Now, when that happens, I get pretty muley. So I was surprised at how generous this manager was, you know, handing out discounts right and left. Then it dawned on me why he could be so generous. And why is that, Dr. Luke? Because none of that stuff belonged to him in the first place. Why, Why? that's the point, isn't it? He was giving away his master's goods. <laughs> well, I, I'm darn good at giving away other people's stuff. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> yeah, well, I'd be more than willing to give away all of your mammon. <laughs> but when it comes to my own, I hold on tight. I think I can see where you're going here, Dr. Luke. We
0: forget sometimes that we just are are stewards, too. This stuff we possess really
1: doesn't belong to us. It's just on loan from God. Yeah, you know, I have to laugh when people talk about their hard-earned money, when, in fact, really everything we have is, is just a gift from God. As a Christian, I understand the point you're making,
0: Dr. Luke, but I'm not sure everyone would. What about those people who spend eight hours on their feet working at some factory or those people who spend hours in front of their computer terminals doing data processing or even the farmer who puts in long hours working in the field? It sure seems like it's their hard-earned
1: money. Well, now, understand, uh, being a steward does involve work, some sometimes hard work. But the fact is, our physical strength, our our intellectual ability, and even the job itself, they're still all gifts from God. True, because of sin, there's often sweat and labor and thorns and thistles, like it says in Genesis. But none of this changes the fact that that we're just stewards managing something that, that doesn't really belong to us. Well, that becomes clear when we realize we're going to have to
0: give all of this up sooner or later. As Jesus said earlier in your gospel, any man who wants to be his disciple must say farewell to all their possessions.
1: Well, so you you see, it's foolish for us to be using all our effort to serve mammon, which will be here today and gone tomorrow. We need to be serving the one who gives us all the mammon.
0: Right. We ought to love the giver more than the gift.
1: Exactly. Of course, that that brings up yet another lesson Jesus would teach us in this parable. And what is that? Well, again, Jesus spells it out quite clearly. <laughs> Read, Gary, what, what Jesus says at the very end there you were reading. Okay. And I tell you, make friends for yourself
0: by means of unrighteous mammon, so that when it fails, they may receive
1: you into the eternal dwellings. I think Jesus is proposing a radical new way of thinking about our possessions. Rather than just seeing them as things we need to hold on to for dear life, there are things that we should use to make friends. So you mean the next time I'm with my buddies at a ball game, I should buy all the hot dogs and beer? Well, especially if I'm with you. <laughs> but but good boy, Gary. The world also knows about using mammon to make friends, but, but note the emphasis here is on the eternal. We shouldn't use our mammon just to make friends here and now, but to make the... The kind of friends who will welcome us, as it says, in the eternal dwellings of heaven.
0: So what does that mean, Dr. Luke?
1: Well, uh, uh, let me scratch my head. Certainly one way to do that is by supporting the missions of, of your various churches there. Making eternal friends is what we're doing when we use our mammon to send chaplains into prisons where men and women really need to hear about the forgiveness of Jesus. Or when we send missionaries over to Africa into villages where where they've never even heard of Christ. Or even when we support ministries like KFUO. Give you a little plug there, Gary. (laughs) Uh, By so doing, we're making friends. Friends who will be there to greet us in the uh, eternal dwellings. (laughs) I can see where this verse applies to missions, but does it apply to our own families as well? well? Well, of course it does. Jesus is inviting us to regard our possessions as things we can't keep, so we might as well give them away. He invites us to be generous with our spouses, our family, our friends, and neighbors, doing it in such a way that, seeing our good works, they will praise our Father in heaven. Dr. Luke, I understand all
0: the points you're making, but frankly, this just makes me even more uncomfortable. I keep thinking of the times in my life when I haven't been so generous. I keep thinking of the uh, beginning of the parable. I, too, have wasted my master's good. It makes me frightened to think that I'm going to have to give an account to my management. I'm afraid when the master looks over my records, I'm going to be fired, too, only not just temporarily, but eternally. Literally fired, you might say. Oh, the
1: fire of hell you're talking about, Uh huh? huh? (laughs) Well, you know, good for you, Gary. Good for me. Well, I think you've hit upon the real purpose of this parable. This here parable is what theologians call a preaching of Repentance. In fact, if you look over the the, the last few chapters there uh, in my gospel, you'll see Jesus has been pretty rough on the crowds and his disciples. Well, that's
0: true. I was reading some of Jesus' teaching before this chapter. He sounds pretty harsh when he tells us we have to hate our family and our own life in order to follow him. And I remember how he talked about how narrow the door to the kingdom
1: was, how many would try to enter it and would not be able Yeah, that's my point. I I think in all of this, Jesus has been reminding us we're all sinners, from the worst to the best. None of us are good enough to get into heaven.
0: But I need a little good news here, Dr. Lucas, one who admittedly has not been very good steward. How am I
1: going to get into the eternal dwelling? Well, you know, there are some good things hinted at here in the parable. It is interesting that in the end, Even a steward who has wasted his master's goods can still find himself praised by his master. I've also thought about the similarity of that there steward and Jesus. The steward was pretty generous, giving away 20%, 80% to make friends. Of course, you know, Jesus was even more generous, giving up 100% in order that he might greet us as his friends in the eternal dwellings.
0: No doubt, Jesus did give up everything for us on the cross, Dr. Luke, but Don't you think that stretching the meaning of this parable just a little bit?
1: Well, yeah, probably so, Gary. Probably this parable of Jesus is just what I said it was, a a call to repent, to recognize we're all sinners, that none of us have used God's gifts the way we should.
0: So there is no good news here?
1: I, I don't think the parable itself is good news, but its context certainly is. What do you mean by that? Well, remember where Jesus is heading as he's doing all this preaching?
0: I remember something in your gospel about he's heading to Jerusalem. Isn't this the
1: part of your gospel the scholars refer to as the travel narrative? Ah, very astute, Gary. You're right. All these things are part of what Jesus preached while he was traveling to Jerusalem. And you know, when he gets to Jerusalem, he's going to go to the cross to suffer and die for all these sinners who've been traveling with him. It's interesting that right after he tells this particular parable, the Pharisees go from grumbling about Jesus to ridiculing him. Indeed, they would ridicule him all the way to the cross. And yet, you know, he he still keeps loving them, why, why even from the cross. He prays that God would forgive them. Well, well, there's your good news, Gary. We're sinners, but Jesus came to save sinners. Hmm. Good point. Dr. Luke, as always, it's, it's so good to talk to you. Maybe
0: my stewardship will improve when I remember I don't have to work to earn and keep my mammon. God gives me all of my earthly mammon for the same reason He gives me eternal life, just because He loves me. Blessings to you, Dr.
1: Luke. Blessings to you, too, Gary. Oh, the, and by the way, yeah. when we go out to the ball game, don't forget you're buying. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey,
0: I was just talking to Jenny here at the station over our lunch break. She was at the ball game. She bought a uh, hot dog, uh, some nachos, and three sodas, and it was like sixty nine dollars. So I don't know if I can afford that, Doctor Luke. <laughs>
1: oh, uh, come on, Gary, you're a rich radio guy. You can do that. <laughs> I'm I'll, just a poor doctor. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll talk
0: to you soon. And yeah, if we go to a game together, I'll pay. We are the messenger of good news worldwide at KFUO.org.